Hey, welcome to Minor Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And we're two industrial designers in the big city. Sweating the small stuff. Oh, and we are back in my Bed-Stuy apartment. Mm-mm. Um, yeah, we had we had our last podcast at Purdue. Live, live at Purdue. You can pick up the vinyl record <laughs> now in all uh, <laughs> FYE stores. What if we released our podcasts on vinyl? That would be next level. And each podcast takes like what? How long does vinyl take to make? You probably it probably takes like a couple of weeks to get you, a vinyl done. Well, you know that um, Jack White has Third Man Records. That's his record label, and you can go to Third Man Records, and they have this stage where you can record directly to a record, like they instantly. Yeah, they you can go in there and record into these microphones, and it'll create a record oh, on so the spot. I, for whatever reason, I thought that records were like, in, re, they were re, engraved on a steel plate and then the steel plate was used to manufacture that's, the record. That's only, yeah, that's only in the process of creating duplicates. Oh. But you know, when, when records first started out and, and it was just like essentially a reverse gramophone, it was, yeah. you were recording into it. And it had a little etcher thing. Yeah. They would actually place the band you say they were recording a big band, they would place the instruments based on how loud they were in order to balance the sound. <laughs> that sounds like how I place you in my room. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. I'm currently sitting in uh, Nick's bathroom. Yeah, most people don't know that. Yeah. We actually have two live streams going on just so that we can see each other at the same time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, history aside, Purdue was great. was a great time. A lot of fun. Cool little town. Yeah. Nice and quaint. We met a lot of cool people, reconnected with some cool people. Yeah. Shout uh, out to Rotimi. Rotimi. For, very cool guy. For shuttling us around. Yeah, he was our chauffeur. <laughs> um, I also want to shout out, I met a patron. You remember when oh. I had Patreon like last year? Yeah. And it was like a good thing. It was a good thing that I had going. Is this kid still paying you? No, 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 no. I stopped the payments. <laughs> um, this I uh, just met. Shout out to Justin. Um, it was great meeting you. And uh, I don't know. It was my first patron that I've ever met. And it just felt like really awesome to yeah. just meet someone that has really supported me. And he was like, yeah, I love the podcast. I yeah. really think you guys are doing some great stuff. So Yeah, we had we had some guys come up to us and, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, right after the podcast. And um, I, I'll, I'll look them up real quick so we can give them a proper shout out. But they they came up to me and they said now james in episode three of the podcast and i was like oh my god we're star trek uh in episode three of the podcast you told you said that if anybody came up to you and asked you you would give them your soundcloud and so the soundcloud of original music that i made i think gosh is it like 10 years ago now like nine or ten years ago, I made this music. Was this and this is just the Garage Band? Yes, this is, these yeah. are the Garage Band days. When you first got that MacBook, you open uh, up Garage Band, you're like, "Ooh, oh, yeah. look what I can do!" Oh yeah, yeah. dude, I, I loved making some laptop music. I will say, I believe the the students that you gave your SoundCloud to are the only students that have both yours and my SoundCloud. Yeah, you gave it. You gave them yours as well. Because I don't even think I've heard your SoundCloud. To be honest, James. I don't even think you showed me your SoundCloud. No, and I don't even know if I've showed you my SoundCloud. I I don't I don't know. This sounds this sounds risque, <laughs> showing each other each other's SoundClouds. Um, 
but yeah, it was awesome meeting everyone. And uh, um, yeah, I guess our SoundClouds are out there now. Our young, you know, garage band days. Yes. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to find the names, the names of the of the characters that came up to us, but I can't seem to. Is it this one? No, Rotimi didn't. Did he tag them? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's this James, is James is this uh, is what they look like, people. Okay, if you're, um, yes, you're on, so <laughs> if you're on the YouTube, you can see that they look. Yeah, like can I, a wait, bunch of students. Wait, enhance, enhance. Right, I'm trying answer. to look at the name tag. Um, but anyway, uh, let us know who you are, and we'll shout you out in the next episode. But um, we really appreciate the fans coming out, and hopefully, we got some new fans because there were definitely people in the audience who had never heard the podcast before. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I also, we have missed this, but three, four weeks ago, maybe, was our Minor Details one-year birthday. Happy birthday. (laughs) I I was like, happy birthday. Wait, are you about to give me a piece of paper? Because it is... This is my chapstick. Oh, no, I don't want your chapstick. Because uh, the first year anniversary, well, traditionally, it's the paper anniversary and then uh, more recently, it's the clock anniversary. What? I know this because I'm married. What is it? You give a, someone a clock? Yeah. That's like, kind of cool. But in the old days, it was paper. They were they were much more frugal back then. <laughs> Here's what? a piece of paper. Thanks a lot. Um, but yeah, just thought I'd shout that out. I thought that was a fun little anecdote. Yes. Um, Thank you to everybody who's been here in the last year, been supporting us. Yeah. I want to kind of, I'm kind of curious, like, who's OG? Oh man, who was, who was a episode one person? Well, those kids that reference episode three sounded pretty OG to me. They sound pretty OG for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. Any any weekly updates? I know we've spent the past like six days straight together, James. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it was kind of a result of the conference, but I really can't blame the conference. I just had to get back on Instagram. Wait, you're back? I'm back, baby. You're back. I'm He's back, back, baby. He's back. I'm back, baby. I don't I don't know how much I'm going to post. Uh, I don't know, you know, I posted today about the Purdue thing. Yeah. Um but uh you know, I I I had a realization today, Nick, and I I want to see what you think about this. You know, part of the thing about being gone from Instagram was there was this moment there was this period of time where it took adjustment of in those moments of of nothing going on wanting to pull out the phone and i was thinking about this as like this is a this is a product of you know obviously like this slot machine app that makes you want to go back to check yeah that check your likes and all these things but the other thing is is that we're we're in modern times we're in the midst of modernization a lot of our daily tasks are much more much more shortened by technology and so we have these gaps these periods where we we just have nothing to do interesting and so interesting what do you do with that time like i don't know i you know, if I really wanted to get off Instagram completely, I would have to bring a yo-yo around with me everywhere in order to <laughs> occupy myself during downtime. I see. So and, it's like you're saying like now that we live in the 21st century, we can, you know, make breakfast or like even go get breakfast in five minutes and right. drink a coffee. Whereas if we lived in the 1800s, it would be like, yeah, all right, let's you'd go have to mil- get up- milk the cow, yeah. collect the eggs from the, the, the uh, chicken coop. 
Yeah, you'd have to churn the butter. Right. It takes two hours for make you to make the bread. Yeah, yeah. You would have to. You'd have to wake up three hours before you went to sleep in order to do all of that. But interesting. Uh, yeah, it's an I, interesting theory. James. It's a. It's a theory. It's probably not very valid. It's probably not a good one. But it's just it, kind of like a justification, I guess. Yeah. Right? But it is. It is something where I just find myself in downtime, and I'm like, gosh, I. There's this whole community out there that's still going on, and I want to be a part of that, and I want to see what's going on. Uh, so yeah, I'm back on Instagram. Welcome back. Thank Welcome you back. very much. I'm excited to see what you post, James. Now you got now you got the all the listeners waiting for your posts. Oh no, the, <laughs> the pressure. The pressure. I'm back off. Um, that's awesome. Uh, let's see. Um. I guess uh, update for me. I'm about to leave for Italy, so I guess when you are listening to this now, I'll be frolicking around Milan Design Week. Yeah, I will report back when I get back. What's it? What's what's Italian for goodbye? Ciao, ciao, <laughs> ciao, bella. That's, I don't know. That's all I got is ciao. I don't even know what hello is. Yeah, buongiorno. Uh, no, bon, buongiorno. That is it. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Yeah, I was just Italian. in Italy. I okay. should. I, I I could be teaching a Italian a master class. class. Oh wow, a master class on Italy. Yes, on Italy, um, not Italian. Yeah, so well, I I don't know what we're f- we're figuring it out. Maybe you'll maybe we'll have Reed fill in for me this this time. We gotta yeah, talk to him. We we have to talk to him first. <laughs> we shouldn't just drop it on him on the pod. Hey, you're on the you're gonna be on the podcast. No, no decision. <laughs> you have to. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, Are you excited? I'm this, really excited. This is your first time at Milan, right? Yeah, and and for those who may not be familiar with Milan Design Week, you know, mom, Mil um, <laughs> Mom, uh, Milan Design Week is is like the largest design fests festival in the world, from from what I consider or from what I know, mm. or I consider it the biggest L- thing. Largest furniture. Or just design. Yeah, in no, general. no. I would say definitely furniture based. Yeah, you know, furniture houseware thing. I mean, you know, that's what I like. Um, so that's exciting, uh, and you know, all the cool people are going. Jasper Morrison, the Brulek brothers. Yeah, you guys are all meeting up. Uh, no, no. I hope so. <laughs> I hope I get to meet them one day. Have you ever tried reaching out to any of those guys no. on Instagram? No, but we have thought about reaching out to Karim. Yeah. Speaking of Karim. Oh man. There's my segue. I never do good segues, James. Wait, <laughs> wait. I'm just kidding. This but should we talk about? We're this too first? early. It's okay. too early. So close. It would have been great. We will talk about Kareem in a second. But we was, we wanted to do a little follow up pup on what episode 46, I think. Yes. Um, we talked about design resumes and how when my thought was, I hate seeing a design resume with hate. <laughs> okay, hate, hate my the strongest <laughs> word in the book. Hate might be a strong. He jumps word. to it. Uh, I dislike seeing people put like I was a server at a restaurant on their design resume. I I want to see design uh, experience, not server or GameStop experience. Mm. But but I you know you had a good counterpoint to that. Yes, and uh, we had some people in the Discord also add in their two cents. And I got to say, I think everyone's right. I think I'm wrong. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like the people in the Discord, especially, uh, oh, Matt Marchard giving us a happy birthday. Thank you very much for our, for our one-year anniversary. Um, but uh, R. Barry, 
Yeah. Um, scroll up some more. Oh, we got to scroll up some more. Okay. Uh, I think he even summed it up better than I did. Yeah, let's hear it. So um, he says, hey, just listen to episode 46. I have a pretty strong opinion regarding non-design professional experience on resumes. There are a lot of students like James that may not have had an industrial design internship at that point of their lives. Part of any job, including design jobs, is showing up on time, seeing the same people every day without getting sick of them, being polite, <laughs> contributing to meetings, etc. Working at GameStop without getting fired for an extended period of time is evidence that a student can do these things and definitely strengthens their case as an applicant. Of course, it's better to prove these skills as a designer, but James is right that these students don't have much else. I'm right. Yes, you're right, James. <laughs> but uh, I thought I thought what R. Barry said was a much nicer, condensed version of what I was trying to say because I was so caught off guard <laughs> by your opinion. I was just like, oh, what? Um, yes, very, very good uh, in summation, R. Barry. I will say, once you do get your design experience down and you have, you know, a few jobs that you can put on yeah. your resume. You can go ahead and put that. Yeah, I mean off. those Cincinnati kids, they don't have to worry about filling in. Right. Right. Filling in those spaces. But yeah, if you got nothing, uh, maybe you yeah, you guys are right. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Nick. I'm going to be wrong someday. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Back to my back to my career machine transition. Oh, yeah, so good. Dang, man. That's wow. What a great transition i'm trying james um design news this week there was a article posted on dzine Mm -hmm. and it talked about how kareem rashid was mentioning that his unpaid internships are better than going to school for design Mm. um i think kareem rashid was commenting on another article or something it was kind of a meta article but you know, essentially, Krim's argument was, "Hey, you know, students go to design schools and they spend fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, learning design, and it's more valuable if they come work for me for free. And honestly, the knowledge they gain in three months is more than they would in a whole year of design school." Yeah. Um. So we just wanted to talk about this because it's it's definitely like a you know, uh, it's it's strongly opinionated topic for sure. For sure. And I feel like I could argue kind of both sides of this coin. Yes. It's interesting for sure. And that's why I want to get into it. Like what, what, I mean, what is your first thought? My, my first thought was I do agree. Like, you know, I, I've often, I, I know about this practice at, uh, Karim Rashid Studios. I considered the internship myself at one point. I saw the post on his website way back when and saw the unpaid intern part. Right. To me, at that time, not having any internships and thinking, wow, like, wouldn't it be amazing to intern with Karim Rashid even if I was unpaid? I, I was sort of in the position of it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I also very much agree with him that there's there is um, an exploit uh, exploitation element to 
education in general right now where I think that education is far overpriced for yeah, what it is. Especially in America. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that that was something that I was thinking about was, you know, there are some countries that offer, you know, free college education. And I was looking into it and, and you know, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like uh, with the free education, they weren't necessarily providing housing or food uh, to their students. It was just free education. Right. Because right. I was trying to think about like, if I didn't go to school, but I considered this an education to go work for Karen Rashid, you know, would that be the same? Would that be similar to going to free college, but having to pay for room and board essentially? Right. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of can see both sides of this argument. Well, what? So the the other side of the argument. Yeah. The other side of this argument is Karen Rashid works with prestigious brands. He's probably not strapped for cash. Um, you know, that's the impression that people get. Right. And so the fact that you are bringing in people to do work for you, you know, and not providing them anything in return except for experience and and that name on their resume. Right. I mean, it's, I don't know, that is that is a sort of an ethical gray area. Yeah, I and then there's this other note that I want to touch on because I think it's an important note. Mm. Um, I feel like unpaid internships benefit those who can afford to go and do an unpaid internship, right? right. So, you know, for you know someone who like has a family that can support them. I mean, you know, you're in school, you're in debt, probably. You know, mm-hmm. and you have a family that can pay for your rent while you live in New York for three months. I mean, not, not every student has that, that support. But couldn't you, couldn't you also just the same as you're racking up? Cause that same person is probably racking up student debt, student yes. loan debt. Yes. Couldn't you also, it, instead of that, just be racking up credit card debt? Ooh, I don't, I mean, that's, and and this is kind of this. <laughs> I, I I feel like yes, yes, I would not suggest that. But I think there is some sort of weird transition here because when I think about Kareem Rashid's statement of like, "Hey, you can study with me for, or you can intern with me for three months, and you'll learn more than you will in a whole year." I mean, that's completely valid. I feel like every internship I had was like that. I was mm-hmm. like, way you know, it just boosted your your skills way more than it did in school. Um, And it kind of makes me think like, I wonder if you could take out loans to go intern because you're right. Like, yeah, these people who, you know, may not be able to afford an unpaid internship and and go study in New York or or go intern in New York. Mm -hmm. They're already taking out loans for sure. Yeah. But you know why can't you just take out loans just to do internships yeah i mean i don't think banks allow that right yeah i i have no idea i have not uh i i don't know much about loans in general right um i was i i will say i was fortunate enough not to have to pay any or or take out any student loans um i do i do wonder about could you justify doing a four-month internship if you took time off of school 
and also spent a full summer working to save up for those living expenses. I mean, I, I do, I do think that there is sort of like this, uh, this great quality or this great, um, like you make great gains by working for somebody like Karim Rashid. Right. You, you do build up connections that you wouldn't otherwise. Right. Um, and yeah, I think you would probably learn a tremendous amount. You would be working with other designers within his studio that are, that are, you know, probably very impressive designers. I would be curious to know, you know, how many of these designers, how many of these unpaid interns, what they go on to do, what they, if they end up being hired by Karim yeah. after their internships, if they go on to, you know, other studios, if that cachet does pay off for them, you know, I would, I want to hear, I want to hear from that person who went through the unpaid internship. Yeah. You want to hear the results of the, and the entire process for yeah. sure. You know, it's, it's interesting. You talk about like saving up to go do an unpaid internship and, you know, like working in a coffee shop, or whatever. I, mm-hmm. this is another thing that, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. The uh, entrepreneur social media guru. Yes. Um, Gary talks about this quite a bit. I'm, I'm a, a follower of Gary's and he, uh, he talks about like, you know, instead of going to school, just go work for someone for free for two years. Mm. I, I, I've personally been against unpaid internships. Um, you know, I am getting to the point where I would like to take on an intern at some, some stage of my, my career, but right. it, you know, I, I, there are per, certainly people out there that would come work for me for free right now, but yeah. I, I feel like morally I can't quite wrap my head around that because, because I feel like I was in the same situation when I was a student. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I, I did have some student loans. I was fortunate enough to have my parents pay for half of my school. So that was awesome. Um, but obviously I worked really hard to pay off the other half and, you know, I worked during school um, and then, you know, during the summers, I try to get some odd jobs here and there because I did have two unpaid internships. Yeah. I think another thing to note is, you know, if you want it badly enough, you should figure out a way to maybe, you know, take on that part-time job, you know, as a server after, after you get back from your internship. Right. Kind of the day. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing that I kept thinking about with this was four months of your life goes by like that you know it goes by really quickly and but this these are four months that i don't know like if i met somebody and they're like yeah i did an unpaid internship with karen rashid for four months like i don't know that i would be like oh whoa why'd you do that i i think i i don't know i guess i guess i can see the benefit of doing something like that um but I, but I also feel like if I were in the place of Karim Rashid, I would have a hard time justifying not paying my interns because because they are providing a service. Yeah, it does seem a little bit more. It it seems less logical for Karim to not pay his interns than me, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't have unpaid interns, but like theoretically, someone who's starting out. Yeah. Doesn't actually have as much capital as Karim does. Right. But it seems like Karim has had this practice for a while. Yeah. And it seems like he doesn't he doesn't have any sort of incentive 
to stop it because I've I've not really heard too much because I feel like I would hear at this point through the grapevine living in New York, you know, being amongst a lot of designers. I feel like I would hear through the grapevine about people, you know, being exploited by Karam and getting nothing out of it and like it being a, a bad practice, especially now in the age of social media. Yeah. I I have to think that if it if it were such a bad deal and people were really upset by it, there would be a lot of, I don't know, stink in the air, essentially. I, I have a friend who interned for Crim. Really? Mm-hmm. So um, unpaid? Yeah, unpaid. And? And uh, he seemed to enjoy it. I mean, uh, he, uh, you know, we, we were kind of friends in school, more like acquaintances. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't really keep in touch with him that much. And then I got to New York, I think Design Week two week, two years ago. And he like met up with him and he was like, yeah, I'm working for Karim Rashid. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're working for Karim. Like that's, yeah. that's crazy. Right. Like I Was did, that crazy with a K? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could, I could hear that. Um, and cause, cause I had not, thought of him as like going on to work for like a big name designer like that I, you know I, I didn't even realize that 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 he was headed that way and yeah. um so I was like really proud of him like congrats that's awesome um and yeah he seemed to got, get a lot out of it and it seemed to from from what I've talked to him and seen from his career so far it it seemed to have helped yeah certainly yeah you know the thing that that Karen references in the article is um, this idea that there were, it was a common practice in a lot of Italian design studios. Yeah, I feel in like Milan. Yeah, like if we if we roll the years back. Yeah, and you start thinking about apprenticeships, right, and those kind of things. Yeah, so so he says I was an unpaid intern in uh, Milanese design office, uh, Rodolfo Bonetto Studio, for one full year after I graduated with my master's. Uh, he he tried to apply to Ettore Sotsas and he couldn't afford him. Like he and Sotsas had uh, seven unpaid interns in an office of fourteen, but still struggling to survive. You know, I it sounds like he's he's saying that this is sort of a tradition, and and I do think that it probably comes out of the apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, sort of mindset and another way to think about it as well is if if karim did have to take on paid interns like say like whatever the laws changed you have to pay interns now it's likely that there'd be less internships yeah there'd be less people gaining real world experience because you know karim can't take on five interns anymore he can only take on he can only afford to take on two yeah right um I think another point to make here as well is paying interns. They're 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 interns, right? Right. Their skills might not be up to par. Yeah. And certainly, I think designers should be paid for their work. Um, but you know, should designers be paid? Should interns be paid for work that doesn't actually move the studio forward? Per se. Mm. I mean, for example, let's say. You're interning for Karim. You kind of know SolidWorks. You kind of know Keyshot. You can hack some stuff together. You're only a sophomore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you provide renderings. And, yeah, you've learned a ton because guess what? You got super good at Keyshot because 
you know, you, you didn't know how to do it. And now you've made something. But Karim, that's not the level of quality that he presents to his clients. Mm-hmm. You know, he has to go to his junior designer and be like, hey, you know, the intern tried to do this. He, <laughs> they, they couldn't quite do it. So can yeah. you redo it? And, and yeah, I mean, to pay for someone to learn, you know, I could see where that, that, like disconnect is yeah yeah i mean it's an investment it to to pay an intern is an investment and i think it's a worthwhile investment um but yeah i i i remember uh i think this is in scrubs and in scrubs they were quoting a famous doctor they they said but they they said find me an intern that only doubles my work and i'll kiss his feet something (laughs) like that you know you know, interns interns are an investment. I I I have to say, I, I think to, to sum it all up, I I I don't know. I I have a hard time having a strong stance on this, but what I can have a hard strong stance on is I feel that if I were in Karam's position, I would pay my interns. Yes. I agree with that. I actually did come in to this conversation with a stronger stance, uh of being like, hey, I don't. Th- I think unpaid internships are wrong. But after discussing it in length, like I, I have never really thought about it or talked about it in depth. But I, I think I have a less strong stance now, yeah. which is interesting. But I, I would be interested to hear what the people in the Discord have to think. So let us know what you think about. You know, is an unpaid internship ever okay? Oh wait, I have one more idea. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was thinking about the student loan thing. I uh-huh. think. I wonder if you could do like part-time school where you like pay for like, no. What if you take out student loans for community college uh-huh. or a really cheap school Yeah, and then take one class every semester and, or like fail it or something and just like burn that cash Yeah, just so that you can use the rest of the, the <laughs> money to go intern. And Okay. That's a crazy idea. Anyways. If, if anybody, uh, yeah, wants to get in on Nick's Ponzi scheme... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> his email is um yeah just sign up oh man uh, all right well uh, yeah that was a long little design news segment but uh yeah let us know what you guys think on the discord yeah um this week we were trying to think of a topic and we couldn't think of one <laughs> we, we had we had podcast block and we were like hey podcast block is similar to designs block yeah And and we busted out the post-it notes and we just went to town. We brainstormed all over this place. Um, Yeah, we wanted to talk about designer's block. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I think commonly people people come into designer's block knowing writer's block and... Artist's block. Yeah, artist's block. But designer's block, that's, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing we all struggle with from Mm -hmm. time to time. And uh, Nick... I have worked with you now for for a year, I guess, or maybe maybe a bit shorter, but about a year. And I've seen I've seen your workflow and you seem to be constantly on it. But I want to know if you ever encountered designer's block and how you deal with it. Yes, and I think this is this is that's a funny observation because uh, so, so when I get designer's block, when I can't think of any ideas, I keep sketching. So it still <laughs> looks like I'm working. Right. Oh, it's a good technique. You fooled me. Yeah, I did. 
Um, but I mean, I mean, this is there are many different ways to like get over designer's block. One of the ways I do is, you know, I sit down, and if I can't come up with an idea, I just put my pen to paper. And, right. And it doesn't matter what I sketch. Like, you know, say I'm trying to think of a toaster. Yeah. And I can't think of any toaster ideas. Well, I'll just start doing like a box or something. I, yeah. You know, just moving my hand. Right. Because I feel like no matter what, you know, maybe there's some sort of weird scribble or like if I start scribbling and just drawing weird lines. Yeah. Maybe there's some sort of intersection of scribble that will inspire my mind to be like, oh, wait. Maybe that could be part of the the toaster, right? Yeah, I mean the the thing is, is that doesn't every design project start off with designer's block? Isn't that kind of where you will always start? Yeah, that's true. Because it's like you get the design brief, and you're like, uh, n- okay, let me. So do I? Uh, mm. And then you're just sitting there, <laughs> like, yeah. so scared to start. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's one thing that you do try to get from design school is a process to push you through any sort of block or at least enough experience to where you've 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 figured out where you can jump to if you experience a block yeah i in that and this is the thing it's like a lot of times you know that that random sketching is it seems kind of wasteful, right? It's mm. like, oh, you're just kind of wasting your time and paper and ink. But I, th- I feel like the value, and this goes for any type of thing, is to just move forward mm. because the thing that's going to happen is that you're going to sketch up a concept or you're going to build a concept or do something mm-hmm. that is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna fail it's gonna break yeah i'm currently in the middle of working on my weight weight oh yeah i haven't really chatted about that on the podcast yeah what's that all about uh this was just a fun... how long are we gonna have to wait for it <laughs> this is a fun little <laughs> a long while <laughs> uh this is a kind of a side project i'm doing for the american design club exhibition coming up for new york design week nice um it is a paperweight slash kitchen timer oh it's made out of concrete and i'm actually building it um and you know the concept itself is just kind of like crazy and a little weird a little bit more of an artistic conceptual object yeah um and yeah i could i could have sat down with that brief of hey come up with a the the exhibition's all about sound mm-hmm. come up with a product that makes a sound mm. and i could have taken like weeks to sketch on it yeah um but i was sketching during late night nick and I just happened to sketch this. I think someone actually meant, commented, like, do, I, I forget. We were just sketching, right? I was yeah. just putting pen to paper, reading comments. And all of a sudden, I come up with this idea of a paperweight and a timer. Mm. And like, oh, that's a interesting idea. It, yeah. it may not be the best idea. Yeah. But I just took it, and I'm just moving forward with it. There you go. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. Now, that's the thing is... And I think we have this unrealistic expectation that we feel like the first idea that goes down on paper sometimes, we feel like it has to be fully fleshed out and, mm, yeah, and yeah. wonderful. And I've been through plenty of processes and I've seen um, you know, product development from afar at different companies and seen where concepts have come from, have 
you know, from from week one to week two to week three, especially, you know, working at a place like Peloton where they're developing big pieces of fitness equipment, things are being developed for long periods of time. And it's crazy to see what the first rendering was right. versus, you know, the final couple thing. months later. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, why did we ever even think that that was a possibility? Right. You know, and uh, and so that's really interesting to see is that, uh, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's the whole thing of where people get to like the Instagram lies of like, oh, these pretty finished things being posted. And it's like, yeah, there, there is a lot of messy, gross concepts that, that get pushed aside and develop into something better. But unless you put that on paper, here's, this is one thing that's really interesting is you can, uh, like, I think everybody, uh, maybe, maybe not everybody, but I remember this vividly from, from doing writing in high school and in college. And it's like, if you write something down on the screen, it's far more difficult to edit it until you print it out on paper oh yeah yeah, yeah. you know uh-huh. until you print it out on paper and you can see those words and you can really i don't know maybe there's something to the tactility of I it think you're right because because that's why i feel like that's kind of why i sketch too yeah why i just keep sketching because i feel like there's some sort of tactile like movement thing happening right but then there's but then yeah i mean is that the is that the uh the direct correlation to design or is it more something like 3d printing or model making because that's the one thing is i can get stuck in the sketch zone mm-hmm. and and just be sketching and sketching and sketching and nothing ever moves into 3d but once you do move into 3d then it's like oh my gosh scale like all of a sudden scale becomes a reality. Right. And then there's more ideas that you can think of. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's a good note because that's another way that you might be able to get out of designer's block is switching up your medium that you're using. Uh, this has been an incredible thing for me doing VR. Yeah. Um, there are some ideas that come really easily in virtual reality yeah there's some ideas which which come really easily in pen and paper sketches yeah um and it's kind of weird that they're different like you would think your brain doesn't change but you know the the tools do sometimes inspire ideas yeah yeah it's true i i think uh much more recently i've adopted sort of the crude cardboard modeling Mm. um you know, a like like a visibility studio has really pr- proliferated, right? Um, and, and I think it's great. I think I think that kind of model making early on, where it's really tactile, and you're and you're actually sort of forming things to the way that you want them to be, uh, as opposed to three D printing, which is you know from from CAD direct from CAD, right? Um, but I also I love iterating through three D printing, especially if the object that I'm iterating on is, is small enough that, you know, you can take it off and really get a feel for, for the size and scale of something. I mean, obviously there are bigger products you can't necessarily do the same for, but I've seen people, I've seen people do things like, you know, scale down models and print them out just to get a sense of, or even just like details Mm. of, 
of uh of something to get a sense of that composition yeah um but i had one more thought uh about designer's block because i do find that i'm not able to resolve things in my mind as well as i can resolve things through conversation or through talking about ideas that's cool and uh and so because like it happens so often that I'll have something in my mind. I'll think that I've had it figured out or I have a question in my mind. And as soon as I say it, as soon as I start talking about it, the answer kind of becomes so clear. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's because you're sort of reading the reaction of somebody as you're expressing your idea or if it's just hearing it yourself. Yeah. Um, but there, I think there are a lot of, you know, People are different in this way. I think some people can sort of sort through all of that in their own heads, but I I don't think that I have that capability. I think I do need to talk about my ideas sometimes in order to resolve them. I think that's a good tactic as well. I know another tactic I use a lot is just taking a break. I mean, that's a classic tactic of just getting outside, doing something else. Um, You know, the thought behind it is like you have you are so close to this problem that you're trying to solve yeah and just stepping away for a second and taking your mind off of that kind of passes that problem off to your subconscious yeah. and you know i i am a big fan of the subconscious design mm-hmm. idea uh nata fukusawa is one of my favorite designers he talks about this subconscious uh you know design and interaction um but you know, letting your subconscious chew on an idea and then coming back, you know, a day later can really help solve that design block. Right. Now, I have a question for you, Nick. Yes. Because you are so engaged in side projects, uh, you know, as well as your client work, do you ever find that working on multiple projects, being able to jump to another one, does that ever help you with designer's block? I would say yes. I, I do agree that kind of jumping around can help refresh your, not only your motivation, but also your mind. Um, like I've been working on a lamp, um, still under wraps, but it, you know, it. we've worked on some manufacturing things. And uh, just today, I came up with this new idea for manufacturing it like super slim. Mm. And I don't know if it'll actually work or not, but we're going to, we're still working on it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's like, it's been an ongoing project and been working on other things and just jumping back to it today. It just like, it was like a bolt of lightning. Right. Yeah. I, I will say that um, the MakerBot project that we did, the competition that we did, I for a while was, was sort of struggling to figure out, what to do yeah that well that was a very difficult project well yeah because it was open-ended it was make something the broadest prompt in the world (laughs) make something that improves your life yeah uh yeah something to improve everyday living and so um what i ended up what i ended up doing and i don't think that this was a a conscious part of the project but i was i was home alone i decided to reorganize uh one of my basically like my my clutter drawer right my your my catch-all you're procrastinating by cleaning that that's a oh, common yeah. thing yeah yeah but during the cleaning i discovered these pens that fred and friends used to make that had this hole in it so you could spin it on your finger 
And I was trying to figure out, the other thing that I was trying to figure out for the MakerBot project was how to utilize uh, an Allen key, an Allen wrench, because because you get so many of them from buying Ikea furniture. I was, I had all the, all these wrenches. And I was like, I, I need to figure out a way to use these. And suddenly like seeing that pen, it all just like came together. Yeah. That. And so I, I don't know, that wasn't necessarily, uh, yeah, I think it, it kind of was a procrastination thing, but ended up being a part of the process. If you guys have designer's block, start procrastinating. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think I think cleaning in general, if you're trying to make sense of your mind and the space around you is completely messy, then maybe it is a good, maybe it is a good thing to clean it up. There, Yeah, there's, I, there, there's, I can see so, the value in that for sure. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to touch on a little bit of of some things I learned in school, yeah, which I don't necessarily use all the time, but I took this class in school called Creative Thinking Strategies, mm. which is kind of an intriguing class um, because it taught you, like the whole class was teaching people how to be creative. Mm. You know, you kind of think about creativity as something you're born with, or like some people are creative, some people aren't. Um, but it was so interesting that there's a class that's like, hey, anyone can be creative. Mm. You know, and... I, I don't know how much I agree with that or, or what that means, but um, there's a lot of strategies that we learned in that class and I might've touched on it in previous episodes, but uh-huh. um, there's some, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things. Um, a few things that I thought were really helpful were making lists. Mm. So you take, you know, whatever your project is, say you're making a picnic basket. Yeah. Right? And you just start making a list of everything that's related to a picnic basket. Yeah. Whether that's picnic, sandwiches, the park, grass, trees, the sky. You know, you just make a list. You just write word, just mind dump. Right. And then you pick another word that is completely unrelated. Let's say it's like library. And you just start making a list of words that are related to books, you know, library card, you know, reading. And then what you do is you start matching those two lists together hmm. a reading picnic or like what about a like library card bologna sandwich right is this where your whole familiarism thing came from no no the familiarism thing came from not to fukusawa but but it, but it is it is kind of this like list matchmaking yes I, yeah familiarism again go back to listen to what was it, episode 42 or something we uh i don't know those kids at purdue could tell us <laughs> Uh, yeah, familiarism was a little more specific of matching uh, functions to things that aren't necessarily having those functions. Mm-hmm. But in general, matching and mixing things together, come you know, you can come up with some creative ideas by mixing two weird things together. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. The list thing was really interesting. Yeah. You can also do like a mind map. I don't know if you've seen like people draw the bubbles and then they draw like, you know, picnic and then they put a basket over here. And then, hey, things that are related to baskets. Yeah. Easter. Things that are related to Easter. That could be Christmas. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. I think I think any time that you can sort of jump, if you are experiencing designer's block and you can jump to an activity that, that might spawn something, even just like writing about the project that you're working on. Right. Just write. I, I've done that with many professional projects where I start to write down just describing the thing that I'm designing and 
and what where it's going and sort of start to like write a story about it so that I can make sense of it that way. Um, and of course, and I didn't, I didn't want to necessarily touch on this for too long during this topic because I feel like I have touched on it, touched on it so many times otherwise, which is, you know, especially if you're having designer's block when it comes to form, um, you know, Reed and I did the project around the form families. Mm, So if you go to Reed's Instagram or my Instagram, you'll find some techniques there of just how to build forms if you're trying to do something you're trying to break out of your comfort zone or you're trying to uh, develop forms that you wouldn't necessarily develop in sort of your traditional sketching method. Um, And then also uh, my continuous line drawing technique is also something that can unlock uh, different types of forms than you might otherwise come up with. Yeah, no, those are definitely good tips. Check those out for sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, that was a good topic. I think we broke through the block. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, we want to get to some questions. Of course, every week we uh, answer questions from our email, but we had no voicemails this week, which is oh, really sad. Oh, come on, guys. You guys have voices. <laughs> you guys know what mail is. Um, yeah, so if you want to send a Google voicemail in, our, the number is one six four six four nine four forty eleven. 4011 And, I mean, the odds of you getting played, 40, pretty high. Yeah. Um, but we did get some questions in, in the minor details podcast at gmail.com. And our first question comes from Josh and Josh says, what's your opinion on the importance of sketching in industrial design? I mean, that's very broad question, but I think, but I think it comes from an interesting place because he goes on to say, this question seems to have mixed answers, at least where I'm studying, especially with my peers. Many think sketching is a skill of the past and there are other techniques that can be used to communicate a design. Mm. So this is coming from Josh, who appears to be studying in school. And, you know, maybe there is this shift happening of students not necessarily thinking sketches are important anymore, mm. which is which kind of gives the question a little bit more uh, I don't know, context and, and yeah. thought. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? My thought is is that until we all have AR, VR glasses on all the time and we can just uh, gravity sketch in (laughs) midair, I think sketching is still very important. Unfortunately, for somebody who's trying to shirk off getting better at sketching, I think sketching is still kind of a magic trick. It's kind of a party trick. It's, It's something that will amaze someone if you can sketch out your idea really rapidly um and i know you have your you're saying the person with the pen has the power has the power that's right um yeah i this is a interesting thought because i there is some validity to saying that the actual physical sketch isn't the important part of the design right like Mm -hmm. the important part of the design is the actual design that gets produced and used by you know a million people or whatever the project is. Um, But you are right. Like sketching is how we come up with ideas. Um, Sketching is a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Ideation sketching is very important to design and that's where you come up with ideas. Yeah. But you know, we're moving to VR. I don't know what that will entail. Do you think that as a medium, do you think that VR sketching will ever be as fast as paper sketching? I don't think, oh, are you referring to the fact that like 
speed. You, you can paper sketch anywhere you want. You can paper sketch out anywhere you want, but I'm also just concerned with speed. Like, how quickly can you pump out VR sketches versus regular sketches? I, it's not... I that, that I don't think that quite... Like, it doesn't really resonate because VR sketching is a little bit of a different... It doesn't quite... It's like apples and oranges mm-hmm. in my head because mm-hmm. I could sketch something up just as fast as I was sketching something up on paper in VR. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, the thing with VR is it's a little bit of a mix between 3D modeling and sketching. Mm-hmm. So if you want your sketch in VR to be more fleshed out, yeah, you can take more time and put surfaces and things on it. Um, I yeah, I'm not because just like just like pen and paper, you could sketch something out on paper and then add marker to make it more. I mean, the the only thing that I'm trying to get at, especially with iteration, is what what would be faster because this person. V- I, VR is faster for iteration. Uh, it is for for small details of iteration, like like what I was talking about my weight weight uh-huh. recently. I kind of came up with the idea on paper, right? And then you know I had this idea of making this big concrete uh, block with the timer knob on top of the block, um, and that was my idea. I came to the idea intuitively, kind of ad lib physically on paper, kind of like just coming through that designer's block like right. we just talked about. But then I jumped into VR for the iteration phase. Yes. Wait, so I, I guess I didn't distinguish between ideation and iteration. Mm. So so in the initial stages of sketching out uh, a diverse set of ideas. I, I feel like paper is still a little bit better for that. Okay. In some instances. it Kind of like what we're talking about. It's like VR has different tools and the tools sometimes inform the design yeah um but pen and paper is more you're you're thinking more conceptually mm-hmm. where i think vr you're thinking more in in form right but it, but from iteration standpoint like i i took that weight weight idea into vr and literally pumped out 50 concepts in an hour yeah you can't do that with pen and paper. The other, the other thing that I think will always advantage sketching, at, at least in the near future, is this back and forth between designers when they're talking about details. And when, you know, say you're in the CAD phase and you're trying to communicate, oh, you should add this detail or, yeah. or add something like this because there's only so much that you can communicate verbally before you really have to sketch out what you're talking about right um and so i think that that's that's another moment that maybe is not discussed when you're a student because you're you might not be interacting in that way Mm -hmm. but in the professional world there's so many times where you're sitting down with somebody and you're sketching just details of something that somebody's working on in cad um to push that forward yeah i do want to touch on another part of this question which mm-hmm. might might be some some validity to josh's josh's thought and his peers's thought um i think sketching to present or presenting your sketches to a client or to mm. your boss mm. or to a team is something that might be considered a little bit more old school yeah um you know depending on the situation depending on the context a lot of times there are studios and, and designers out there who 
instead of presenting sketches, we'll present key shot renderings or, right. or 3D models. Right. Um, just because it can more uh, accurately communicate the concept. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is, that is a problem sometimes is that if you sketch out something for, for a client to review, they might get hung up on something that that you don't want them to get hung up on. It, here, here's here's an example. Here's an example. Um, I've I've had a few projects where I work on like accessories for for the the home or or your phone and and a lot of times like phone accessories things like that are pretty simple. Like if you have a charger, it's you know maybe you have an like an Apple charger. Yeah. For the iPhone, the 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 Apple one kind of just looks like an aluminum block. And yeah. it has a little thing sticking out of it, right. the lightning port. And if you sketched that out and showed it to a client, the client would laugh at you and be like, what is this? <laughs> you sketched a cube. Yeah. Um, and that's like the scenario where you you can't really sketch in the fillets and, you know, put the lighting just right so it looks realistic. Or, right. I mean, you could. And you could render it out really realistic. But it's more effective to do a quick 3D model and render it out in Keyshot right. to communicate that, hey, yes, this is a block, but it is, an, you know, it's a very you know, nicely finished block with a certain type of anodizing and it, you know, has this little detail on the back. Like yeah. those things don't always communicate through pen and paper sketches. Right. Yeah. I would love to see that internal Apple idea review <laughs> just like that <laughs> it's just johnny they're sitting there be like yeah. all right i need uh the a square it's aluminium <laughs> um but yeah uh that is that is a great question josh yeah thanks for sending in josh i, I we, we have one, one, one more no quick question. we don't have any more time one more quick question james just, oh quick question just quick one. it's got to be so quick <laughs> it's got to be so quick um this one comes from <laughs> this one comes from Moser makes and they say hey Nick and James love the podcast I had a question about design sketching I don't come from an industrial design background I'm an electrical engineer mm-hmm. which is kind of cool to yeah. think we have electrical engineers listening it's electric <laughs> keep going I've noticed in many of your design sketches I see on Instagram that people add a rectangle to the background behind a section of the sketch Nick I see that you do this in many of your sketches as well so I'm wondering, what is the purpose to the rectangle? Well, Nick, I think you are positioned to answer this question. Um, this is actually a common thing that we talk about on my live stream Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like adding the background box, the background rectangle. Uh, I think we called it a vignette in school, which when you look up vignette, that's like doesn't quite make sense. But... Um, the background box helps compose all the parts of the sketch on the paper. Mm-hmm. It kind of fills up the page and creates a, just a nicer composition. It's purely aesthetic. Just seems like it makes the sketch a little bit, a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. You can use it to tie different parts of the sketch together. So, on my chair sketches, I have the main chair, and then I tie it together with the side view. Yeah. Um, and then another key aspect of the background box is that you want to make sure the background box is kind of like a window. Mm. You never want the background box to become below an object because it kind of feels like the object's going to fall into the to the box. Mm. So it's always above the baseline, the ground plane. Okay. And then it also should never intersect with any like it. 
you don't want the box to intersect with another intersecting line on your sketch. So if you have a if you're sketching a chair and it has some sort of complex, you know, curvature on the front leg, mm-hmm. you don't want to have that box go right into that front leg because it's going to cause a lot of tension. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think it just helps compose the sketch a little bit better. It makes it look nice. Hmm. It's purely a style thing. Yeah. I I don't I don't use boxes, but after that explanation, I I might now. Give it a shot. But but I I have noticed that a lot of uh scad grads use the rectangle. Yeah, we well we were taught that way. Yes. Um and it's stuck. It's stuck. Uh but yes, thanks for sending it in, Moser Makes. And if you guys have a question yourself, minordetailspodcast at gmail.com. Yes. I think we're kind of low. If you send a question like <laughs> a, if you send a question like a while back that we never answered, you know, send it again. It get sometimes they just get buried and we we just forget about them. Yeah. Um of course, every week we like to give a shout out of the week. And this week we wanted to shout out Mauricio Romano. I can't believe that we've never shouted him out. And his Instagram handle is at Roman or Romano Mao. Romano um, Mao, yeah. Uh, and Mauricio, I'm a big fan of Mauricio. Oh, yeah. he's He's been uh, in the Instagram game for a long time. Recently has had a resurgence. I... I'm digging his his frequent post recently. Yes. Um, He's a designer at Oculus, so I'm a big fan of that as well. Um, Always doing really beautifully done objects. Like I'm looking right now, uh, James has pulled up his corner chair. Oh, yeah. And they're they're beautiful, and they're also always a little bit thought-provoking. They always have like a little bit of like a, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, I think the the wonderful thing about Maurizio is that he's always showing off he's or not necessarily showing off but showing the dirty part of the process like he's showing kind of everything he's oh yeah putting it all out on the table mm-hmm. and I love his sketching style and especially when he starts to mix like rough CAD and sketching I think which he does a lot and that's a a pretty unique thing to Mauricio I don't see a lot of other I mean there's a few but he'll take 3d renders sometimes like key shot renders and then sketch over those renders to add like a little bit of extra style yeah it's it's pretty unique yeah um but but yeah great mix of of all kinds of different type of design and work absolutely no i i i'm a big appreciator and i hope i hope uh this recent resurgence from Maurizio continues because yeah. I love to see what he's up to. Yeah, and you know, hopefully there's some people that haven't heard of him before. He's a he's a cool guy to follow, so check him out. For sure. Um Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Join us on the Discord. Join us. Let us know what you guys think about Designers Block. How you, how do you get out of Designers Block? Yeah, we are currently live on the Discord, by the way. Yeah. That if, is if, a perk. If you want to hear the podcast as we record it and then hear a little design behind the scenes afterwards. Oh yeah. Yeah, you gotta get on the Discord. <laughs> um and of course, as always, subscribe, like, comment. YouTube, YouTube, Spotify, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. That's right. Google Play. Um our beautiful intro and outro is by Kiyoshi the Kid. Yes. And as always I'm at Nick P. Baker. And I'm at I Draw on Receipts. Peace out. Later.